There are many ways people listen to Vision, including DAB Plus Digital Radio. If you're in Greater Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane and have a digital radio receiver in your car or home, you'll find Vision Christian Radio on the station list. If you're visiting one of these cities and hiring a car, there's a good chance it will have a DAB receiver and you'll be able to enjoy vision with exceptional sound quality while you drive around. If you don't already own a DAB receiver, you'll find many models, including clock radios at electronic retailers for under $100. To find out more about vision on digital radio and whether you're within the broadcast footprint, see vision.org.au slash DAB. However, and wherever you listen to Vision, you can be sure that the announcers, programs and music will help you look to God daily. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. This week has been a little bit of a shock, hasn't it? When we start to hear of regulations around the sorts of numbers that can gather together because of the threat of coronavirus, and we recognize that the crunch comes when we think about our local church. Lots of us are members of churches that are small and will come under the 100 level that the government is saying don't meet if you're over that number. Lots of us, though, will come from churches that are larger than that, and some of us even from what are known as mega churches. The biggest churches have already decided to do live streaming of their content on this coming Sunday. For lots of us, it'll put us through the motions of how we will actually change over this time of the coronavirus. Well, Bill Muhlenberg has been reflecting on the coronavirus, Christianity, history and faith and this is not the first time that Christian churches have faced some level of crisis because of things like plague. Bill Muhlenberg, a special welcome back to 2020. Great to be back. Bill, we talk about plagues and viruses and flus that have taken large swathes of population in their wake uh, when different times in history have dealt with these. It's not something new that Christians ought to be ignorant about. Yeah, that's right. I've uh, often said we uh, will be impoverished if we don't learn from history, uh, certainly church history. All Christians should have some awareness of what's gone before, what God has done in 2,000 years of the Christian faith. So this is yet another clear area where we can get so much. Uh, And the the first thing you learn, of course, is, as you say, this is not the first time. This is not something new and unique. The Church has always had to deal with outbursts of health care crises, disease, plagues, pestilence, uh, that's simply a part of human life, and the church has been up to its ears in dealing with this. So, yeah, I've penned several pieces lately looking at at least four different uh, examples of this throughout the ages and how Christians have responded and uh, what we can learn from their responses. So let's pick up on some of these historic outbreaks uh, through the ages. Uh, The first one you talk about is the Black Death that ravaged Asia and Europe in the mid-1300s. Yep, that's uh, obviously a biggie. Uh, I mean, very big. Uh, Anywhere from 100 to 200 million deaths. Uh, People have said that a third to a half of all of Europe's 
population was wiped out. Um, so, first of all, it uh, helps I guess, put things in perspective. Uh, there have been much bigger and much worse uh, cases of the plague, in this case, bubonic plague, that really caused so much damage and so much death. Uh, Christians, of course, had to deal with that, as they do today. Certainly, health care has improved, and medicine has improved greatly today, so that's a big help. So that may in part explain why the numbers are not so big here, but still learning to go through tough times, uh, that's something all Christians need to be aware of. And uh, in fact, it goes back even before that to the early church, uh, quite early on in the history of the faith, the new faith, uh, plagues and pestilence were breaking out. And a number of scholars have looked at how Christians have responded to that as well. Let's talk about response, because as I understand it, in some of those early plagues, uh, people who were not a part of the Christian movement, uh, so were they in despair that they basically fled anywhere that those plagues were uh, biting. Uh, But Christians, somehow or other, have had the fortitude not to flee, but to stay. Uh, Take us into some of the responses that you've become aware of, Bill. Yeah, again, a number of, uh, well, anyone dealing with early Christianity will will have covered that uh, to one extent or another. Uh, Some of your listeners might be aware of the historian and sociologist Rodney Stark. He's written a number of excellent books on the spread of Christianity, uh, how and why it succeeded, uh, how it led to so many successes in the West. So one of his books from about uh, whenever, 10, 12 years ago, called The Triumph of Christianity, does the same. He specifically looks at the early church, some of these plagues that broke out, and yeah, he points out the obvious truth, that a good part of why Christianity did so well, why it succeeded, why it expanded, is the really conflicting or contrasting attitude between Christian and pagan. As you say, pagans, at least the more wealthy ones who could get away with it, they simply fled the scene when a, a plague broke out. Uh, their pagan religions really had no place for mercy, compassion, helping others. That was really a foreign concept in these pagan religions. Obviously, Christianity is quite different. It's all about loving uh, your neighbor as yourself, uh, showing God's mercy and grace to those in need. So uh, certainly the um, early church uh, didn't do what the pagans did. They didn't just run. They stayed behind. They ministered to the the patients, the victims. They tended the sick and the needy. Uh, And uh, partly because of their own lifestyle, uh, you know, they were perhaps in some ways even better placed, uh, health reasons and so on. But basically just that help, the compassion they showed, the real practical love of God in a very needy time, that just led to so many of these non-believers becoming Christians. They could see love and action, unlike their pagan religions. Let's draw a correlation here between pagan religions and 
what we might see is a broad population in Australia, very secularised, and perhaps even to characterise that by saying godlessness compared to godliness, where you've indicated that the pagans fled, but the Christians stayed. There was a different fruit from what comes from within. Uh, What are your thoughts for what might be developing here in Australia with regard to the Christian church? Are we ready for such Mm. a necessity to be able to dig deep within and to come out with what we've seen in past historical settings? Yeah, well, two thoughts come to mind straight away. Uh, One, uh, if we want to kind of compare early paganism with modern paganism, I mean, we could still make some of the same kind of points. Uh, Who was it? over the centuries that set up hospitals, set up schools, set up orphanages, you know, set up mercy ministries, works of help to the poor, the needy, the indigent, uh, women and children. Name all your issues and guess who was doing it? Uh, Christians of various stripes, right? Even today we talk about, uh, you know, St. Luke's Hospital or St. Mary's Hospital, right? They were often founded deliberately by Christians. I'm not aware of too many, uh, you know, atheists who've gone out of their way to found uh, hospitals, set up clinics, and so on. It's not to say they never get involved in this, but overwhelmingly, it's been people who've been uh, committed to the love and mercy of Christ who've gone out and loved their neighbors by setting up these works of mercy. So that's the first response. The second is, of course, the the big difference uh, today. Overwhelmingly, we've really, for good or ill, transferred so much of our responsibilities as Christians and as churches over to the state. Right. So now we just expect, oh, the government will do something about it, whether it's health care or education or you name it. We just look to the state to fix everything. So we've gotten away from the church in the local neighborhood helping people. Sure, many still do, but for the most part, it is the big state, the welfare state that does this. So I guess a question that arises here is many governments are now simply getting overwhelmed. They can't do everything. They're going to run out of money and resources. Will uh, many of the local churches pick up the slack once again, get back to being involved helping and looking after their neighbors. Uh, my wife even suggested to me, I think yesterday, maybe we should just be aware, go up and down the streets, see if there's any elderly or infirm and needy folks who may need some kind of help one way or another. Uh, you know, that's the practical personal help, which a bureaucrat in Canberra can't really offer. And, you know, while the Governments are having their stimulus packages, giving everybody 750 or 1000 bucks, or at least some people. Uh, that's not going to do it either. We need, again, that practical help. So maybe all of this will help the church to, in many ways, get back to its original calling, be that salt and light in so many real areas, including uh, looking after uh, our neighbor. Practical and very personal. Bill, you've been reflecting on wisdom that's come from some of the great thinkers of the Christian church, uh, the likes of C.S. Lewis. Uh, He had some things to say about facing the sorts of challenges that we might be up against. Yeah, well, of course, he was speaking in a slightly different context. Much of his writings came out during the Second World War. 
the uh, essay in question that uh, I discuss in my article came out in 1948 when the whole worry about the atomic bomb, you know, this was the atomic age, a lot of fears of, you know, uh, we're all going to die because of atomic weapons. So he actually wrote a whole piece saying, all right, how does the Christian live and work in such an atmosphere? He said, look, there's always been uh, dangers of humanity being wiped out from something. If it's not the bomb, it's a plague. If it's not that, it's something else. So he said, in one sense, there's really nothing new here. But what he did say is, well, basically, let's just go on uh, being involved in the work of the kingdom. Let's be busy uh, doing what Christ would have us to do, loving our neighbor, loving our family, looking after our children, looking after our homes, uh, you know, just doing all the things that we should, uh, in other words, normally be doing, as Jesus put it, Occupy till I come. It's the same deal. We got a lot of Christians saying, oh, it's the end times. Christ is coming back at any moment. And the idea being we should almost change radically the way we live. Well, again, Jesus said, Occupy till I come. That is, keep busy doing what you're doing. Keep busy with the work of the kingdom uh, until he does come. Uh, you know, we could all die from coronavirus in a few months, but, you know, uh, well, I'm not a doctor, but chances are good. This, too, will pass in a few months. It already seems in China the peak has been passed, and it's things are calming down there, so maybe it'll be the same here. In which case, where we continuing to be good parents, good uh, workers, good in whatever God has given us to do, or are we living in panic and fear and well, especially as many have seen, all the hoarders who go into, uh, you know, grab every single roll of toilet paper or food they can, leaving many of the elderly with nothing. Uh, you know, how do we respond? Do we panic and live like the pagans and worry about stockpiling, or do we uh, really show the love of Christ at a time like this? Well, there's encouraging and challenging words in your latest articles, Bill Muhlenberg, and part of the comfort uh, where you've quoted Psalm 46 verses 1 to 3 and the first part of that that says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And uh, we can be encouraged, but there's also some challenging words that you've written in your latest piece. Let me point listeners to it. Simply go to Culture Watch, Google that one word, or go to BillMuhlenberg.com. The article we've been talking about is called Coronavirus, Christianity, History and Faith. Bill Muhlenberg, thanks for updating us once again today on 2020. Thanks again. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.